You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? Good morning. <laughs> Good afternoon. Well, no, well, Good morning. You've gotten it wrong again, Wolf. It's the morning. No, no. I am solidly convinced it's 4 p.m. Oh. Is this why my American clients that I work with and work are really annoyed when I ring them at 2 p.m.? Could be. Oh, because it's not 2 p.m. where they are. Yes, that's how time zones work. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> Yeah, a, a um, an expert in, in time zones since he had so much practice telling the time, playing, what time is it, Mr. Wolf, well, in primary school? Uh, that's true, actually. I did play that a lot. I always had to be Mr. Wolf, of course. <laughs> that's unfortunate. I think it was a... What was, the, what was the premise of this game? I'm not familiar with it. What? How are you not familiar with this game? Well, I didn't go to your school, so... No, but I, you had it in my school. Oh, I thought this was just a game where you guys asked Wolf the time and he had to know, or... You know, he he lost. Uh, I, I'd say other Irish listeners are probably going mad here that you don't know what this is. I went to a weird school. This is probably some Catholic dogmatic bullshit game. Catholic <laughs> uh, stuff. No, it was basically like uh, all, like one kid was like face against the wall or whatever. And uh, I'm going to... Jesus. Track. <laughs> yeah, face the wall. That sounds very Catholic. Turn around. Um no, and then and then the other kids were all kind of in a line, um, and they had to basically get closer to whoever was Mister Wolf and event. And I think uh, they would ask, "What time is it, Mister Wolf?" And you would say, "It's whatever o'clock." And that's how many steps they had to take towards you. And then eventually they would ask you, "What time is it, Mister Wolf?" And you would say, "It's dinner time." And turn around and then like chase them. And then whoever was caught was Mister Wolf next time. Oh, I see. Game sounds pretty rigged towards Mr. Wolf, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you would just make them walk as close as possible. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like it's 50 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. They have to walk into the wall. Great game, though. Great game. Nice. Are we going to pivot into a what time is it, Mr. Wolf competitive podcast? <laughs> yeah. I wonder, is there has there anyone ever uh, played that game like or made it more... Because you know the way there's like some, some games like like chasing or tip the can or whatever that end up being played by adults. Like people organize like a big, a big old game of it or a league or something like that. It get, they get a bit more serious. So I don't know if that uh, has ever been applied to what time is it? Definitely. You know, something I found out, this will be interesting. I think for listeners, the, the calling the game chasing, right. Is an extremely Dublin specific word for, for that game. Uh, I was doing a quiz a while ago that was going around that was like a New York Times, I believe, like a British British Isles dialect quiz where you had to put in your answers of what you called certain slang words or phrases for stuff. So, for example, if you called, you know, a, a, a small river, if you called it like a like a, a brook or a stream or a creek. So I put down, you know, stream uh, and you know, it would tell, it would try to guess basically where in the British Isles you were from based on your answers to this. And one of them was, was the game that we would call chasing. And I expected that to be fairly generic and be kind of all over the British Isles, extremely specific to, uh, to, to East Ireland, it turns out chasing. 
So they don't call it that in England at all or in some other parts of Ireland. Yeah, I, I remember taking this quiz as well. It's, uh, it was a very interesting one. It was the same with the uh, runners for... Yeah, 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 for, uh, you know, sneakers, shoes. Yeah. But yeah, chasing I thought was interesting because to me, chasing is just the obvious generic word that anyone would come up with to call it because it's a game where you chase people, right? So I was really surprised that that would be a very region-specific thing to call something because it's just it's just such an obvious name for it. Well, like the, the American name would be tag, right? So yeah. I, that's a fairly popular option as well. Well, their names are first, I guess. I'm just starting to think, apart from tag and chasing, there's no other possible thing you could call this simple game. No other possible thing at all? No. <laughs> uh, it, tig, tuggy, tag, uh, dobby, Dob- and tick. Yeah, those were the Those were the other options. That's very unusual. Yeah, there were loads. It's really interesting. It's worth doing. Maybe we put it in the show notes or people can just search for uh, British dialect quiz. Obviously, we're not British, you know, up the wrath, 32 counties and all that. But that's that's the name of the quiz. That's not my fault. <laughs> I think it's British Irish dialect quiz. Yeah, fuck it better be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so when you mentioned Tips Candy, I, I, was, yeah, I, I just feel like I was very late into my teens and playing tip to can on a regular basis uh, and we got very competitive with rules and rulings um, no wonder you end up, ended up as a magic judge <laughs> exactly yeah so yeah tip to can for tip, tip, tip to can for life curbs was my favorite as a kid i loved that game i was just about Did you guys play that game i was just about to mention curbs i never i never heard of curbs until i became friends with uh al and like all his mates Oh, it's the best game ever. For anyone who doesn't know, Curbs is a game where you two kids stand on either side of a street, like a like a usually a fairly you know small road, and you have a ball. We played it with a with a basketball, but I'm sure people play it with, with footballs or whatever as well. And uh, you have to throw the ball and try and hit the opposing curb uh, of the road. And yep, that's how you win the game. But we played it. I don't know if you played it the same way, Al. We played it where if you hit the curb, then you took a step forward onto the road and tried to do it again. And you had to do that until you were like halfway across the road and kept successfully hitting the curb. And you got more points if it hit the curb and then bounced back and hit your curb in one in one volley, which was very rare. And we did that as well, yeah. And it's like if, if the other part, if the opponent gets the ball, if you're halfway across the road, if you, put, you throw the ball, to one catches it, they can throw it back and hit you. Yes, hit you before yes. you get back to the other side. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And if you get hit by a car, you also lose, presumably. Yeah. God. <laughs> this is a... So I'd spent all this time in my childhood playing Magic instead of playing other games, because then I'd be better at magic, magic right now. But I bet you're great at Curbs. If we ever have a Curbs tournament, you'll clean up. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. This is a childhood playground games are, are a, a great uh, nostalgia trip. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we should talk about Magic, though. Nah, nah, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, we can keep talking about this, yeah. All right, let's 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 talk about Magic a little bit. Um, it's not much in the way of news. Uh, so, sets came out. Modern Horizons came out. Was Modern Horizons out last week when we when we podcasted? I, I also have to... Uh, pre-release was last week, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also have to apologize that I didn't put the podcast up uh, <laughs> because uh, it's completely my fault. It's the the website that we use as a, as a podcast uh, hosting service is uh, Simplecast and they have recently upgraded their or like updated their whole site so the whole like user interface is totally different 
and I didn't realize that I had just saved the podcast as a draft for like four days. So that's why it went up late last week. Sorry, people who were expecting it. Hopefully I won't do that again. God damn it, Wolf. No, I mean, people got it eventually. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. My, I was I, I was at work on Wednesday. I was like, yep, yeah, can't wait to listen to the sound of my own voice while I work. But I was mildly inconvenienced. I mean, you have speakers in your office so everyone else has to hear it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. you did that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known until I went back to the website like today to upload the new podcast. Well, <laughs> you know, keep it hot. Because I, I, I gotta say, thanks to our viewers for dropping the ball on this one, though. Nobody, nobody noticed. Are we even? Are we? Is nobody listening? Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I, I suppose we, we've been a little more, more inconsistent. Well, we're more consistent now. There's a time we're inconsistent with uploading. I, I'm sure people were waiting for us. Uh, no, it's definitely all the viewers' fault. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm putting no blame on us. It's all the viewers' fault. <laughs> yes. I mean, listeners, there's no viewer. Well, there's viewers now because we have a stream. Oh, yeah. Stream, yeah. Um, I, I still like calling podcast listeners viewers. Anyway, I don't know why. I think it just sounds better. True. Um, so, yeah, the, the podcast should be up and ready at the normal time this week. And if anybody, if we do uh, miss a week or there, a podcast does not appear in your feed, then uh, send a tweet or something because it's likely that I have messed something up. Because uh, if we if we genuinely miss an episode, then usually we'll we'll tweet that. Um, but yeah, the Twitter is the place to go to find this find this information. Uh, so today, yeah, we don't. Uh, as I said, we don't have a lot to to talk about in the way of news. Yeah, Modern Horizons was released. Maybe we'll talk about Modern a little bit later. And then the other thing that came out uh, as news was these three cards from M20, which I was like, whoa, this is very early. But I feel like we've been bombarded with uh, loads of spoilers and previews recently because like War of the Spark into Modern Horizons was quite a short time frame. And now we're actually, we're almost at the start of M20 previews. And I mean, technically they've already started with these three Chandra cards. Yeah, I mean, the pre-release is in three weeks. That's insane. Yeah. So they're, they're doing the same, the same kind of preview plan as they did with Modern Horizons where, or was it Modern Horizons or War of the Spark where they, where they preview every single... They're going to preview every single card, and it's going to be over two weeks, yeah, which is the normal normal time frame. Yeah, and they've put up a schedule of each personality or website or Twitter account that is previewing each card, and you can uh, you can check the schedule and follow them ahead of time and stuff like that, which is which is nice for for everybody. It'll it'll get everybody a little more exposure who's who's helping out previewing cards. Yeah, that's good because sometimes, well, like the reason that Wizards gives the preview cards to these. Uh, organizations or outlets or people is to boost their signal because there's no like wizards could very easily just preview all the cards on their own site every single day that would probably be easier for people in some ways but uh it's nice to i think it's really cool when they're able to create uh interesting moments with it like when they give when they give like maybe a, a pro a preview of a card that's like similar to a card that they're associated with or when they give uh limited resources the signpost on commons of the set or Actually, they've been giving those to modern uh, Lords of Limited a little bit as well, and they're more likely to give like a bounce card, some kind of mana war to uh, limited resources now. But it's just really cool that they can associate these with uh, with the uh, podcast or or YouTube or you know pro that uh, that is actually announcing them. Yeah, definitely agree. That's great. And you can also make some slight speculation about the type of cards that are going to be previewed. 
for example, I was looking through the list of creators who have previews, and there's some Twitter account there that's called Not a Wolf. I've never seen this Twitter account before, but it's basically a, the the Twitter account is the the, the avatar is a, a a wolf in a suit, and the whole account is like I am not a, a wolf pretending to be a human. Don't be silly. And uh, yeah, they they've had two preview cards in the past and they were for war of the spark it was uh, arlen and arlen's wolf so i assume there's some kind of wolf related card coming in m20 sweet hold master of the fells reprint i mean like if it's a good card you never know i don't know could be could be relevant could be a home master of the fells that would be cool yeah probably not though because <laughs> it's a transform card <laughs> so that's awkward yeah i know yeah yeah it's pretty realistic here yeah uh so, do you want to talk about these Chandra cards? Yep, definitely. Yes. I'm up here. Yeah. They're very good. All three of them, I think, are very playable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I am also trying to get them up. So, it, it's an interesting approach that they've taken here. So, they've, they've gone back to having uncommon and rare planeswalkers already. So, that's, I thought that was quite an unusual decision, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's three different types of, of Chandra. And they did also confirm that this is the she's the only planeswalker getting this treatment in uh, in this set. So the other planeswalkers will be just the normal mythic rares as usual. So there there should be should be five of them I think because last core set they did five uh, instead of the usual like two or three. So um, Chandra is uh, I will start with the the rare one because I think it's probably the best one i think uh but it's one it's chandra acolyte of flame which is one red red for legendary planeswalker chandra and then she has four starting loyalty and three abilities so for zero loyalty so you can activate it for zero put a loyalty counter on each red planeswalker you control so that basically for her is a plus one because it puts puts one on her uh zero again create two one one red elemental creature tokens they gain haste Sacrifice them at the beginning of the end, next end step. And then she has a minus two. You may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard. If that card will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Yep, this card's very good. So a couple of interesting things to note just about the key wording on the abilities. The first one, zero, put a loyalty counter, counter on each red planeswalker you control. This is very unusual for, for a loyalty ability that basically pluses as you said chandra in that you can respond to it uh if you if you just play chandra that turn and and, cut, and use the zero to pluser it's because it's part of the effect not the cost to add the counter if you have some spell that can deal four damage to chandra you can kill her in response before she gets the extra loyalty card uh, counter whereas with a normal ability that is a plus one uh you can't do that because the plus one is part of the cost so Four loyalty is still quite a lot. Starting loyalty, you know, obviously lightning strike isn't going to do it or whatever, but that's just something to be aware of. That uh, that isn't is, is kind of different with this planeswalker. Yeah, probably more relevant when like that. That could be the the place where I could see that being relevant. Like you said, lightning strike doesn't kill her straight away. Is if you play her uh, and as her first ability, first activation, you minus her minus two, so she's on two now, and then next turn you want to zero her to put a loyalty counter on her and your opponent responds with shock, that would kill her. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then, yeah, the second ability seems just pretty 
pretty good. I don't know, it's kind of medium. Like, how often do 1-1s get through with haste, you know, on turn 3? Uh, it's probably going to be quite good in some kind of Aristocrats deck, sack deck, like creating, being able to create two two pieces of sack fodder every turn seems quite, very strong. Yeah, like curves very well with, for example, Priest of Forgotten Gods. Yeah, that's excellent. Because then you don't you don't have had, you don't have to have had anything on turn one. Yep, and then the last ability, uh, just the way this is worded, just because this was a bit confusing to me at first, uh, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard. That means that you have to do you have to choose to cast it as the ability is resolving. Essentially, obviously, this card is not released yet, and uh, as a judge. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I basically shouldn't say that this is how it works because I because we don't know and judges aren't supposed to give uh, give rulings on unreleased cards. But this is worded the same way as, for example, Torrential Gear Hulk is, uh, which which is which would imply maybe <laughs> I'm not saying this. I'm a judge, and I'm not saying this is the ruling that uh, that that you would have to cast this as the ability is resolving because otherwise, because it doesn't say until end of turn that uh, initially I thought that meant that you could just cast it from your graveyard for the rest of the game. But I don't think that's the case. Yeah. That makes more sense to, to have to cast it straight away. Yeah. And also just note, this doesn't let you cast the card for free. That would be pretty busted on a three mana planeswalker. You do still have to pay the mana cost for the spell. So you're not going to be able to cast this on turn three and then lightning strike or shock something from your opponent. This is going to be more of a, you know, turn five, turn six uh, type thing if you're casting the Chandra, the Chandra that turn. Yeah, that does, you know, that, that does make her good in a mono red deck because she's fine on the turn that she comes out when making the two haste power. And then she also has the ability to, you know, if you top take her later on, she can be a burn spell from the graveyard. Yeah, this card just seems seems very good to me in general. Like, it's a three-mana walker. Uh, I think this is among the more powerful three-mana planeswalkers. Well, I was going to say we've seen in recent years, but there's actually multiple insane three-mana walkers in War of the Spark. But I think... This is on, I would say this is on the power level of like Narset from War of the Spark. Hmm. So do you think this could see play in modern? Um, probably not. So maybe not quite as good as Narset. Really? Because she, she's like basically Snapcaster Mage, but a Planeswalker. Yeah, and Sorcery Speed. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and yeah. I mean, Planeswalker is Sorcery Speed. Yeah, and like Red Red. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I see this in modern. That's my cat saying hello on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I I feel like I'm struggling to see this. Like you alluded to the fact that on turn three, this is maybe going to do this is not going to do very much on turn three. The second zero is comparable to um, you know usually when Peter Warboss comes down on turn three, most of the time that one would open uh, is just getting slammed into 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 a bigger, into you know another creature and not getting through. Um, like, yeah, so you already will cast this on turn, on turn three. This set is fine. Yeah, if if you do have a rule spell, but then I guess like what's what's the best thing you're doing in mono red standard and you get to turn. To turn five or whatever, um, and get like lava coil, lava coil, lightning strike, tormenting voice. Oh wait, <laughs> with ter- tormenting voice, you still have to pay the additional cost. So that yeah, you're well, still no, I mean, you just get you, you just got it. You just would have to discard a card. Yeah, like that's fine. I don't know. I think like I think this is a good design because three mana planeswalkers that can come down on turn three and have a strong effect to the game are so oppressive. Like I feel like Narset is Narset and Teferi are both on another level because if you just play them uh proactively on turn three 
they just completely turn the game on its head and make the game about them. And it's just too early in the game for a planeswalker shouldn't do that on turn three. Like think about Liliana the Veil, right? The best three mana planeswalker. That like she's absolutely uh, just completely. The game just becomes about Liliana if you play it on turn three. Basically no matter what the opponent has done. It's very difficult for the, the opponent to engineer a board state where Liliana doesn't come down on turn three and take over the game. You know, you have to have multiple creatures in play already. If you have nothing in play and the Liliana pluses and gets out of lightning bolt range, it, it's, you know what I mean? You're just like, oh, this is going to be a slog. I'm going to be super down on resources and super behind by the time I deal with this Liliana. Uh, and it's and it's also good later in the game, right? Same with Same with Teferi Time Reveler. You play Teferi on time uh, on turn three, bounce their only creature. Uh, they're suddenly way behind, and they they can't play the game at instant speed anymore. Later on in the game, it's also still good. You know what I mean? You get to play it, bounce their best thing, and draw a card for three mana. That's fine. I I really like this design in that it's not that oppressive on turn three. As you say, Al, the best thing you're doing is is bumping it to five loyalty on an empty board and then you get to untap and get some decent value out of it the next turn with the minus or you're you're getting in for two damage or you know if you you know what i mean you in order like you have to have like priest of forgotten gods on turn two into this into on turn three like wolf said in order to immediately get value out of it so you can't just cast it as a as a one card thing on turn three and have it take over the game which i think is about i think that's that's good design for three mana yeah, I, I agree on those points. It's good design for all those reasons, and I think for also all of those reasons, I don't think it's very. It's, I don't think it's very comparable. I don't, I don't think it's comparable to the other three mana planeswalkers you have. But I mean, you just you don't have to cast it on turn three. Like if you cast this on turn six and flash back a spell immediately, and then have the Chandra on board for the rest of the game, that's great, right? Yeah, but then I suppose it's, it's you're getting yeah you're doing that and you're getting a card. If you cast it on turn six, you honestly you're getting a card. You get you know you're getting a card out of that deal. Uh, you're selecting a card. Um, and then you can, you can mine this again, and it's gone. Like, compared to Narset, um, you know, Narset, you're getting two cards out of it, as long as it's not, as long as it's not being attacked. Uh, kind of, in a way, you you're get, more worth it, because you've got to cast the card straight away. You get two cards out of both, if they don't get attacked. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's why, yeah, so it's, you get two cards out of both. Uh, Narset, you have, um, yeah, you have selection, you, you don't have to cast the card straight away, you have two other effects. Um, I think you're going to have to, second zero ability, you're going to have to, you know, have other stuff going on in your deck free, I think. Um, like like Risk Forgotten Gods, or there might be some other elemental synergies in the set. You know, we haven't seen the rest of the cards yet. Um, but I think as it stands now, uh, this card is for that minus two. Um, and it's a minus two that is on a lower power level to Narset. It is. I th- so I think this card is not as good as Narset, as I said, but it's more versatile than Narset. It can technically win the game by itself, which Narset can't. You know, it can create things that attack and, and can kill your opponent. Uh, and it, if you're in a super friend strategy or something, it's it is adding other you know it's adding loyalty to your other planeswalkers. Like Narset doesn't do those things. Like Narset's a great value engine and sort of a prisony card, but it just gets you your two cards usually, and that's it. Whereas this this card, even though the effects look small, can contribute more to your overall plan of winning the game. Like I'm thinking, like if you play this, and did you mention Sarkin? Sarkin, uh, whatever. No, so like that's that's one I thought of because if you mine a Sarkin on turn four and then play this on turn five and plus it, it lets you make a second four four dragon with Sarkin immediately two turns in a row. So like that seems really powerful to me. You know, I think I think uh, I think this will slot in and help out your deck in a lot of small ways that I think you're going to be happy paying three mana for the deal. Yeah, I think uh, I think you'd be definitely in the wrong to 
underestimate this card. We will see. I, I would. I, I see. I'd rather start too high on it because we've just learned this lesson over and over again from every single three mana planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, like even Tybalt is great. Seeing playing standard. And Tybalt is probably slightly worse than this card. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like initially I I kind of was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't really know, I don't really see it in standard, and then straight away I was like, oh yeah, no, this is great. This is definitely a sideboard card. Yes, yes. Um. So Al mentioned elemental synergies, and the next Chandra actually gives us that. So she, this is one. This one is a Chandra novice Pyroman, pyromancer. She is a three and a red. Comes in with five loyalty. Uh, she has a plus one elementals you control get plus two plus O oh until end of turn. Uh, minus one add red red and minus two Chandra novice pyromancer deals two damage to any target. So if you curve uh, the three mana into the four mana, you're you're attacking with two three one elementals. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So when I saw this card initially, this was the first of the three new Chandras I saw. Uh, my coworker Simon, uh, who is also a Magic player, showed me this card. Um, and he said, oh, check this out. This is really strong for a Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker, because that's what he thought it was. And I read it and I was like, this can't be a Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker. This is standard playable. They wouldn't print this card into a Planeswalker deck. And because I think the abilities looked kind of innocuous, like none of them are like super powerful. He he just presumed it was uh, it was from a pre-con deck. But I think this card is definitely just just a solid playable. I don't know, like four mana is a lot more than three mana, but the effects are like really strong. Like adding red red is really strong. Like again, if you can engineer a situation where you can play this minus it, you know, kill one of their creatures and have another creature to protect it. And then the next turn you can just untap and play like a six drop or a seven drop or something like that. Like it's that's absolutely ridiculous. You can also use it its own uh, built-in minus two to kill something. So you, you may just already get value straight away there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's any target like that hits planeswalkers and it burns face and stuff like that's really strong. Like and just getting to do that twice is, you know, I mean, you wouldn't put that by your by itself in your standard deck, but like having that be a possible play pattern is very interesting. So it kind of uh, outclasses Jaya, the current Jaya that we have in standard, which is just exactly the same, right? Except it has the uh, passive of other stuff does one extra damage. Yeah, this is much better than that. That Jaya can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, this is just much better than that. Yeah. Are there? Yeah, I guess. Sorry, you go ahead, Al. I was gonna say, I was also with Sauron. We, we talked about the importance of Sauron and being able to pick off uh, Planeswalker slash on one one um, loyalty, which is something that this can uh, do as well. Yep, definitely. Mm. I could see this in combination with Chain Whirler as well, picking off you know three damage, uh, three three loyal or three toughness creatures and stuff. Yeah. Are there any elementals in standards that are worth playing? Wildgrow Wanderer. Wildgrow Wanderer? What the hell is that? Wildgrow Walker? Oh. Is that Should an elemental? Uh, it is, yeah. Hmm, okay. This is better. Not for example. I don't I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Steamkin. I, I have a page loading very slowly here now. Um, yeah, Steamkin. There's also Fire Urchin, which is a card that I could see being played. It's just, I mean, it's basically slightly worse than Burning Prophet. It's a one in red for a one three with trample, and whenever you cast an insert or sorcery, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Um, yeah, there's Steamkin, Skizik, I guess. There's a few, but the ones in red are not great. There's Living Twister, Lightning Mare. The lands to miss it. Mm, are they elementals? Did they come elementals, right? Am I right to say that? Possibly. Moldrotha. Great, a lovely four color deck. 
yeah, there's none that that's particularly interesting, to be honest. Yeah. Unless there's some kind of token creation we're not thinking about. Yeah, Nissa, Nissa's, uh does make the lands into elementals. You are correct, Al. Um, but that was your Phoenix token. The egg. Yeah. Nice. Okay, we move on to the mythic one. I think this is. Uh, I think this third one, the mythic one, is actually the best wolf. Yeah, I. I yeah, you might be right. I like this one a lot. Um, it's a very interesting card. So it's uh, yeah, Chandra Awakened Inferno for red red. This time she has six starting loyalty. And she has a passive ability. So the other ones did not have a passive or static ability, but uh, this one does. So it says this spell can't be countered. So already good. Ridiculous. Yeah, starting off very well. Um, So she also has a plus two, so up to eight loyalty. Um, So the plus two is each opponent gets an emblem with at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals one damage to you. Ridiculous. Yeah, completely ridiculous. She has minus three. Chandra Awakened Inferno deals three damage to each non-elemental creature. Ludicrous. <laughs> and uh, minus X. Uh, Chandra Awakened Inferno deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. If a permanent dealt damage this way would die this turn, exile it instead. Outrageous. <laughs> yeah. I think this card is insane. So this card reminds me of Chandra Flamecaller in a way because it was very common. There was This is the old six mana Chandra. So she would come in with four loyalty. And she had a minus X ability that would let you deal X damage to all creatures on the battlefield. So it was pretty common that you would minus three and leave her on one. Uh, so that's very similar with this one, except she still gets to be on three loyalty instead. Uh, and then, Three loyalty? Yeah. It's insane. After, <laughs> after doing a stone, or not stone rain, what's that called? Uh, anger of the gods. So you get to anger the gods and then still have a, a three loyalty planeswalker. And then... Obviously, the plus two is insane because you just can't interact with emblems. So even you're you're guaranteed to get it off once, basically, and then you just have a free one damage on your opponent for the rest of the game. And if you get it, it off- can't be countered. It, it, the spell can't be countered. And she ends up on eight loyalty after plusing when she hits the board. What are you supposed to do against this card? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, and, he, and obviously, you can't interact with the with the emblems at all. So if no. It- you- like in a control deck, you don't, you don't have to play a win condition. All you have, like, you can, you, your opponent can never stop you casting this and plussing it once in a control mirror. So, why would you ever play another win condition? There's no way for them to stop you, <laughs> stop them killing you, or stop you killing them. They, they can't. Wanderer, you can cast a wanderer. I mean, you can just kill their wanderer. They, that doesn't last forever. Like, you can just play, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You just play all removal encounters or whatever, whatever in the control deck. And this card is just a removal spell that also is a win condition they can't counter and and can't stop happening in any way unless they have life gain. Yeah, this this seems very pushed. I mean, it is six mana, but like I six mana is very very. People are playing playing mass manipulation for X equals four. So I think uh, six mana is very doable in this standard. Why would they put the spell can't be countered on this card? Why <laughs> would they do that? Because they want people that, that... Of the Chandra that they bought. I mean, I guess, like, currently in Standard, no spell can be countered anyway, because everyone has to ferry on the battlefield at all times. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, this is that's actually flavor text, my bad. <laughs> quite, quite notably... They should, is, uh, a, they should just put that on every card of the set, now that they've printed to ferry. Just print this spell can't be countered on everything, it wouldn't matter. And all counter spells. Um, I was becoming credit as Chandra Flamecaller. The first time I saw the spell, the gate was uh, one of my first... Uh, Standard Flames in the Thursday in the shop where I cast uh, Chandra Flamecaller uh, in my Eldrazi Ramp deck. I was like, yes, Chandra Flamecaller, this is a very strong card. It's going to win me the game. And then uh, Stephen Cunney casts it in the gate targeting Chandra Flamecaller. 
and I read negate, and it says counter non-target target non-creature spell. Ch- Chandra is like a person, so obviously it's a creature spell. Walkers are not, not creatures. It is not. And, um, Planeswalkers are not I creatures. Yeah. Lesson for for me to learn. So I'm very glad that this one can't be countered by negate. <laughs> I think this is so. Just I I actually think this design is disgusting. Like the combination of like not being able to interact with it on the stack and it creating emblems that your opponent also can't interact with, I think is just, I, do, I don't know why they've made this card. It's so infuriating to me, honestly. It's it's such, like, it's just it's so just multiple elements that people hate, like, not being able to interact with. True. But, like... <laughs> so pushed. When they make, uh, when they make control finishers, they want them to win the game really fast. But this doesn't win the game really fast. It wins the game really slowly. I mean, it, it wins. This is going to be so infuriating. It wins the game very quickly if you manage to like emblem three times, which you may well because it goes up to eight loyalty. So you can probably just like it goes up to eight. Then like let's say imagine your opponent attacks it for four, and then you just plus it plus two again. It's back. You'll probably get a yeah one activation of the of the plus two. Right, but the thing is, if you're if you're a good player, right? Once you've plussed it once, you don't need to plus it again. You know you've already won the game if you can stay alive. So there's no reason for you to take any risks in plussing it again if you have anything else to do with the card. If you can kill like a crappy creature that you probably don't even care about, why would you ever take the risk of plussing it again when you know you already have the inve- inevitability of winning and you'll probably get to play another one at some point anyway and plus it again. You know what I mean? It's like once the game, the, you just have to play to not lose. Once you've plus this card once, you don't have to play to win anymore. You just have to drag the game out. Yeah, no. You, I, so you're you're not incentivized to win quickly. You're incentivized to just drag the game out as long as possible, which I think people are going to hate playing against. And people aren't going to concede. People don't concede against Nexus. They're just going to try, and they're going to have every remaining spell countered or or killed for the rest of the game, and they're just going to slowly tick down in life and die. Hmm. I I don't know. I slightly disagree with that. I think there's there is value in winning faster. Like like Teferi is a good example of taking ages to win because even when you get to the ultimate, you you're gonna spend ages exiling all their stuff. But like people usually concede way before that. Um, yeah, but that's because they're losing resources. They're losing land, so they know after a couple turns, it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm realistically not going to have the resources to to dig my way out of this because my mana's pinched. That's not the case with this card. Everyone's going to play through it every time because it's like, well, I'm just taking damage. I can, it's not really affecting my ability to cast spells or the board state. But the fact that the control player just no longer has to worry about assembling a win condition after that point, and they can just focus all their energy on, on just remove, on just, on just not dying. I feel like this card's just going to be horrible to play against. And eventually they will just play another Chandra and plus it again. And then it's like, well, now you're dying in six turns or whatever, you know? Yeah, but I I do think there is value in winning faster. Like sometimes, th- this is what I was going to say with the Teferi, sometimes you lose when you emblem Teferi. Like, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it's like... Winning quickly. And because... Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And And there will be situations where you can win faster and plus it multiple times. But I'm just saying you don't necessarily have to and you still win just just by plussing a planeswalker that can't be countered on turn six. Yeah. You have created inevitability. Like that's mad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she she is like a very good soul win condition type card. Uh, I think it's not. It's also not nothing that her minus X is uh, exile. So like deals with um, Phoenix or whatever. Yeah, it's good against Dreadhorde. Yep, minus on that Tamio. I just think this card is like 
I don't know, man. They wanted to sell boxes of this set. <laughs> <laughs> this is just such a ridiculously push mythic. I'm excited to play with this card. <laughs> I'm on the. Oh so my! Like that's the thing. We're all spikes, you know. We're all gonna play with it, but like, I don't know. I can just already imagine the frustration on people's faces as they, you know, mark down their two emblem pings every turn playing against this card, and they're, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is. It is perfect ramp target for um. Like Wolf, you mentioned uh, before, a ramp um, Star Extinction type deck. Uh, it's going to be part of that archetype. Uh, a good, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a non-bow because, uh, I mean, you play her on six and then you play Star of Extinction on seven mana and kill. You got your emblem. You got your emblem, yeah. You got two emblems because you'll be able to Star of Extinction yeah. after you, yeah. you plus her. So, yeah, I guess it's still, even, still good. Still get something really good. Um, but yeah, she could be a good kind of uh, payoff in that deck because I was looking at Palaka Worm and Carnage Tyrant, and they're I don't think they're very good at the moment. So she could be she could be a good good addition to that deck. Uh, all all three of these Chandras mention elementals. Yep, so, I don't. I mean, I'll, I don't really find that in, that interesting unless there's like a strong elemental theme in the set. Apart from that, I think. Well, I mean, that to me indicates that there that there is. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying based off we know now. What we know now, it's like, okay, we just got to wait to find out more, right? Could we have... Because you know the way this is the core set. And when they brought back the core set last year, they uh, had more reprints in it than than usual. So there's there's a higher number of reprints in the core sets now, according to their new vision. Uh, so are there any cool elementals that could be reprinted? Obviously in red specifically, because we've got this. Ball lightning, baby. Yeah, could could well be. We have skills, sure. though. It's basically the same. Take a, a quick, a quick look. Um, looking at some garbage elemental. Um, uh, I don't know about that one. Jumping out. Um, wood elemental. Oh my god! Favorite. Oh yes. It actually would Set off. would probably make sense to put it in red and green. I mean, elementals could very well be just like a uh, limited arch- limited archetype for green. You know, the... Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, no, Soul of the rapids. Soul of the rapids. It's an elemental. Is that the three? PM. Hexproof flyer. Yeah, mm. just trying to think of uh, annoying mechanics tribal that can go with this Chandra hexproof. People love that as well. Emblems can't be countered; it all works together. Two specific jumping out, uh, apart from creature lands, um, the rare creature lands. <laughs> so that'd be pretty sweet. Walker of Trove. Oh, creature lands would be good. Wandering Fumarole. Answer. Yeah, and that is that is all. I actually now I just for like going back to overall, which, which is the best. For standard, obviously, the six mana one I think is the best, but the three mana one is really good as well. Uh, Chandra Acolyte of Flame, yeah, like I think they're both just absolutely excellent. I think all of them are, are pretty good, but yeah, the the three and the six mana are, are, are really really pushed. Um, and the the red planeswalker thing on the three mana Chandra is interesting to me as well because it makes me think of what other uh red planeswalkers we can play. We have like Domri, we have both Domri's. Uh, Sarkin, as you said, uh, Nicol Bolas is a red planeswalker. Yep. Uh, I yeah. Probably we'll see this most often is if it's in on red alongside four mana Chandra. This this possibly taking up is just going to um, just bring it closer to that uh, minus seven Chandra turn. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Good. I'm not seeing the three mana one in mono red so much. I'm de- I'm seeing it more in like a like a blue red deck or something like that. Mm, well, I think the turn three. Hasted two elementals to me says mono red or an aggressive deck. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's pressure. Yeah. And it's good for enabling spectacle, right? It could be in like a Rakdos deck. Yeah, that's true. That's possible. Yeah. That, that would um that would synergize with or allow it to be played with Priests of Forgotten Gods, as we mentioned. Um Oh, and uh Mayhem Devil, right? Mm-hmm. You ping something when you sack a creature, so you yep. get to ping twice every turn with Mayhem Devil. That's actually legit, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That probably means that well, of course you you won't have them both out on the same same turn because they're both three mana. But uh like if you play it next turn, you can probably kill anything up to up to probably three toughness. Well, I mean, I guess they just wouldn't block. So you get to kill anything with two toughness for free, basically. And if they block one of the... Mm, oh, no, because that's sacrifice. So, yeah, okay. So just two toughness. Yeah, but you can play it with... The, I think there could be like a Mardu tokens deck. You could play like Cruel Celebrant as well. That would be sweet. If we have, if we have a good, like another sack outlet, like that sounds like it would come together like really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the, um, the black card where you... Uh, you could like sack a creature. What is it? Sack two creatures, draw three cards, or something like that from Dominaria. Divination, huh? Blood, blood divination. Blood divination. That yeah, was. yeah. I mean, that's never been workable yeah. before, but could be a thing. Well, there's the the smaller version of it as well. Is like is a two mana one, right? That's like sack a creature, draw a card, or draw two cards. That would also be pretty decent. Oh yeah, that's that's legal as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know what that one's called. Yeah, Alter's Reap, it does that, but I'm not sure if that's the one that's legal right now. Yeah, I think it's a different one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really interested to brew with Chandra Acolyte of Flame. I don't think the brewing is going to be that interesting with um, the six mana one with Chandra Awakened Inferno. Uh, I think you just put it in a deck and that's the, you've, you've, you've done your brewing, whereas the three mana one is a little more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I do, well, I, I do think that there is probably some deck that maximizes Chandra Awakened Inferno. Like maybe... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Like, is she the best Is she best in Gruul? Because you've already put pressure, so the the emblem is going to kill your opponent faster. And then her minus three do, probably doesn't kill many of your things. The emblem isn't red, so should, it doesn't work with Jaya. Oh. Do emblem <laughs> uh, color? Can they have a color? No. Uh, I don't know if that's defined in the rules. Okay. Yeah, I presume, sure, yeah. I, presume they can, I presume they can have colors. I don't. I actually don't know what the characteristics of emblems are. I know they exist in the command zone, not not on the battlefield, but that's about it. Mm. Um, according to the rules, it has no no type, no mana color, no mana cost, and no expansion symbol. Interesting. According to the rules, I'm sure there's some janky combo deck you can assemble in Legacy to try and give an emblem an expansion symbol. <laughs> yeah, uh, bankrupt and blood was uh, the card to take of. Um, this is cost to one and a, one and a black. Um, it should cost sacrifice two creatures, draw three cards. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's even that's better actually than what I was thinking of. The the one I was thinking of was uh, deadly plunder from Ixlan or Rivals of Ixlan. That is just so you make yeah. a treasure too. Yeah, or deadly plunder or costly plunder. I think it might be costly. Otherwise, the creature is pretty costly. Yeah, it's cost. I don't see it. Oh, it's costly. So it's an additional cost cost to cast a spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature. Yeah. So it's it's strictly better Alter's Reap. But uh, yeah, the other one, Bankrupt in Blood, obviously works better with Chandra specifically. Yeah, I think there's something interesting there. I'm kind of excited to to brew that with Judith as well. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, even even the the four mana Chandra is grand. I could certainly see her being played. Not not blown away. Probably very good and limited. 
uh, especially the card, yeah, that card is busted in limited. Oh, it's very limited. I mean, if there is an elemental uh, theme in the set, which the fact that this is an uncommon and has that, I think that I think that's the thing that seals seals the deal that there is a, an elemental theme. Yep, definitely. All right, will we move on? All right. Uh, so, do you want to talk a little bit about streaming that you've been doing? Yeah, definitely. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably most listeners, I don't know how many. Uh, listeners you know keep keep on our every word on social media and i also haven't been great about announcing it on social media every time uh i started streaming on twitch tv twitch.tv slash skullcrack um which we registered and we just just I, i'm streaming arena more now uh, or i'm playing arena more now and i uh i decided to to make a big push for mythic and play at the weekend last weekend um so i decided well you know i, I may as well just just stream this and hang out uh, and it was really, really fun. So I'm going to keep doing it. I know, Al, you you have plans to stream on the channel as well. Wolf, I'm not sure what your situation is right now in terms of internet in Vietnam, if, if you can get a streaming setup going. But uh, I think like over the long term, we'll definitely all be streaming on the channel uh, when we can anyway. And so far, it's been really, really fun. Like, uh, it's obviously been pretty small crowds. We've been, I've been streaming to like you know, five to 10 viewers or something like that. I think I'm not even sure if we maxed out at 10 yet, uh, but the followers are slowly building up. I think people are having fun hanging out. I'm actually finding it very helpful for myself in terms of talking through my plays and <laughs> being not wanting to punt on stream. I think funnily, it's actually helping my play in certain ways. Obviously, it's a little bit distracting to uh, to be, you know, trying to be entertaining and talk and everything while you're playing Magic. You're not going to be playing at 100%. But the aspect of trying to explain myself uh, and, you know, think through my plays and verbalize it a bit more, I've actually found be really helpful to be honest and i think it's maybe i I was going to suggest it's maybe something that our viewers could do if they've been feel like they've been plateauing is maybe try streaming out or recording a video to put up on youtube or something like that uh of their plays and just try to try to to annotate your own play as as you're going and just explain why you're going for a certain line because even as you verbalize it you might find that you want to do something else instead. You might something might click for you as you're trying to explain yourself because that's definitely happened to me on stream and it's led me to me making different plays than I would if I was autopiloting. Uh, so I think that's been good. And as for the results, last week I streamed Saturday and Sunday both for pretty pretty long periods, seven or eight hours. Uh, and we made Mythic on the Sunday night, which was great. So I started at Diamond. I can't remember if I was three or four or something like that. Played a couple of decks for the first day. I mostly played uh, a Blue-Red Phoenix deck, which I really liked. It, it was kind of a more controlling version. It's the version that came second at the GP a couple of weeks ago. I think GP San Diego. Uh, I can't remember 100%. But uh, the list was great. It basically didn't play any Crackling Drakes. Uh, played a couple of Kefnets. Um along with the phoenixes and it just played more removal essentially so you're playing more of a control role that also has access to the phoenix combo so you're just playing charter course you're not playing tormenting voice as well so you're playing radical idea charter course electromancers and four phoenixes is basically your whole phoenix package Uh, and then in the sideboard you have like nine or ten ish control cards and pretty much every time you're boarding out electromancers and radical ideas and going into a more control shell so i had i had a lot of fun streaming that and then on the Sunday, I switched to 
uh, PV's Bant Ramp List, which you suggested to me, Wolf, as something that could maybe break my plateau in uh, in Diamond. And I had a really good record with that, going from Diamond 2 to Mythic. I think my record was 12 and 3 with that deck over the course of the stream on Sunday. So uh, ended up in Mythic on Sunday evening at around Mythic 700, I think, or no, sorry, Mythic 550 or something like that ranked. Uh, and then I played, I think, three more games on stream, won them all, and ended the stream in the sort of around rank 100. Uh, and since then, I've just been playing a couple of games every day to keep my rank. And we're, I'm currently at like 110th or something. I've been I've been within the top 100 pretty much uh, for most of the week. Nice. Jesus. Sorry for going on on a soliloquy there. But uh, yeah, uh, the stream's been really full, uh, fun. Uh, you guys have been hanging out and, uh, and helping out with the stream uh, while I've been doing it. Uh, some of our more dedicated listeners have also been doing it. So for, for anyone listening who wants to, to hang out and see me mess up, especially in Limited, where I've been punting nonstop, uh, come check out the stream for sure. Cool. And Al, I believe you're setting yourself up to, to stream as well, working on that. Yeah, so at the moment, uh, I am... I've been trying on in my home Wi-Fi. I've been having some, uh, I've been having some connection issues, some connection issues from somebody. I just pushed him away. Um, <laughs> I've been, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I just need to sort out a few things here with my uh, connection and we hope you're running. And then I guess, yeah, once you have a routine, we'll be able to um, have a regular schedule. Uh, but yeah, but in the meantime, yeah, I've been hanging out in the chat uh, here on the stream, and yeah, it, it is a fun experience. People have got to go chat back and forth. Um, Again, it's just to suggest plays watch Kieran win, watch and watch what basically it's watching Kieran crush um constructed and uh limited. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're solidly in gold tier four and limited currently, so I'm not gonna talk about that. But yeah, I have been crushing con- constructed, thanks for saying so. That's uh I've been happy. I was like I didn't want to start streaming and then just be like losing over and over and make a fool of myself. So it's definitely made me try and up my game a little bit and 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 play well, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting you said how it's making you play better. Something that something that I find myself too sometimes is even just even without recording, I just speak out loud while I'm playing because I guess when you're especially with with something like um especially through Hearthstone where during your opponent's turn uh, when you're not doing anything, uh, it's very easy just to pick up your phone and just you know you know you know your phone or or uh, during any game time in between turns have your in between turns have your attention to be distracted. Uh, where I guess yeah, when you're streaming, or even if you're you know pretending to stream, uh, you can you can um, sure your focus is 100 on the game, uh, and especially kind of you know things that happen during your bonus turn can be can be very important in terms of you know, yep. level one cards or sliding on on, on lines. Yep, 100. percent There was one game of limited in particular I remember where I had where my opponent made a weird attack and. I went through, you know, I said out loud, I was like, okay, here's the tricks they could have, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I don't think they have this because they would have attacked with this creature, blah, blah, blah. And I eventually narrowed it down. And I was like, okay, they must have specifically Nahiri Stoneblades to make this attack. And I was like, so I played around it and I, I would have done the same thing there, I think, if I was if I was not streaming, if I was playing on my own. But I think I would be more likely to forget about it, say, three turns later or something like that. But because I'd said it out loud and vocalized it to myself, that was like, I felt like mentally that made me make a commitment in my mind to be like, well, I've said this out loud that I think they have Nahiri Stoneblades. I've said it on the stream. I've played around it this turn. I'm going to look like an absolute fool if I forget about it in three turns time and I get blown out by the Nahiri Stoneblades. So it turns out they did have it in their hand. They had to play it like six turns later and got no value out of it. And I felt really good about the fact that 
obviously, you know, you look like a genius if you, you know, on turn three, you can call out exactly what's in, what's in your opponent's hand. So that's sweet to be able to do on stream. But it was more the fact that I can, it made me consistently stick with the, with the game plan and with, and, and follow through on what I had deduced about what was in their hand. And I don't think I would have been able to do that as well if I'd just been on my own. Yeah, as you say, alt-tabbing, you know what I mean? Looking at Reddit on my opponent's turn if I would nothing up and again, I'm limited. And then, you know, I would have come back when, you know, blocks were on or something like that and gone, yeah, 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 block, block, block. Not not remembering five minutes ago about the stone blades and then I maybe would have gotten blown out. But yeah, so I, I think it's really helpful in a competitive sense. I would really advise people to do it. Uh, and it's just really fun, you know, as we always say, it's, uh, it's not about the magic, it's about the gathering and it's a lot more fun to, uh, to play when you're, you're hanging out with people in a stream chat. So I've been enjoying it. Hopefully you guys, uh, can both try it soon and I get to troll in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I enjoyed being in the chat. I thought it was a fun experience. Um, I, I think for me, there's no streaming happening anytime soon because not, not like it's a combination of the internet here and also just the, the setup that i have it's like a gaming laptop that is like not amazing so i think uh having too many things going on like we're, we're podcasting right, right now i have obs open i have uh, discord open and sometimes it gets a little bit chuggy if i'm uh trying to load things on in chrome so yeah it's kind of not I, I wouldn't trust that it was able to handle uh, a stream gotcha what could be cool is if uh you know i stream or i'll stream or something like that and all three of us go on discord and you know i can screen share or al can screen share or something with the other two people and we can uh we can like play collaboratively like that talk through drafts together or, or standard games or something like that yeah that could be cool that's a good idea great yeah definitely. all right let's do that it's a date cool <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's maybe talk a little bit about uh, standard, like expanding on uh, Kieran's thoughts there. So last weekend, as we were podcasting, um, GP Taipei was wrapping up, and Star City SEG Con and Star City Games Invitational were wrapping up. Um, so we can have a look at the top eight here. In GP, GP Taipei, we had Bant Ramp taking first place, uh, Esper Super Friends Control second place. Boros Feather, third place. Jund Warriors, fourth place. Grixis Bolas, very unusual Grixis Bolas list here, uh, fifth place. Uh, Simic Nexus, sixth place, so surprise. Uh, Band Ramp again in seventh, and Grixis Bolas in eighth. Uh, oh, sorry, this is the this is the weird one, I think. Let me check. Oh, maybe both of them are. Yeah, the fifth, yeah, the fifth place is pretty weird. Yeah, the fifth place. There's a lot of twos and threes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, there is in boat list. Grixis players love doing this. They love having ones and twos and threes all over the place in their spells. Very true. Yes, very true. But the, the fifth place list has uh, three main deck negates, which is very unusual, and has Interplanar Beacon. And Kazmina. And Kazmina, yeah. And Sarkin and Liliana and Nicol Bolas, two Narset. Yeah, very strange. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is kind of the... Oh, I don't know. It's it's a bit strange. It's it's not what you would expect, I think, from a top eight, like the Boros Feather. Although I think the, the, the Feather lists like often squeeze one into a top eight somewhere. But like we've got Jund Warriors, two Grixis is weird, and Simic Nexus being back is a bit weird as well. The the Nexus list as well is is quite strange with like two Blink of an Eye, two Arboreal Grazer, two Bond of Flourishing in the main deck. It's very kind of unusual. Yeah, people are playing more Bond of Flourishing now just to just to shore up the mono red aggro matchups. I think uh, I think the extra Blink of an Eye is just for Teferi, right? Although I uh, yeah, I think it's just for Teferi. 
probably uh Teferi is quite detrimental to uh to that deck going off. Um but yeah. when you compare to the top eight of the SCG invitational, which admittedly was a, a split format tournament, but uh I think there was still a significant amount of rounds of standard. You've got one, two, three, four Esper superheroes, which is I guess the new name for the mid range Esper decks with Hero Precinct One. And then you've got one, two you've got two uh Sultai Dreadhorde decks, and you've got a Boros aggro and a, a blue green mass manipulation deck. So, and then, so like no Bant in here at all. There's one one Bant in, in ninth place, but it's mass manipulation rather than just a pure ramp uh, and creature deck. And then you've got like no Grixis anywhere within spitting distance of the top eight. Which sounds right to me. I, I don't really get why people are playing Grixis at the moment. No. I get that it's a top out deck, and you know what I mean? That's a better style of control deck when Teferi's in the format, but it, it always just seems so clunky and inconsistent to me. The the attraction of Grixis is that you kind of feel like you're always in control of your fate because the card quality is like so high. Um, yeah, it's it's like playing Jund in Modern. It feels very similar. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but yeah, every time that I've played Grixis, I'm like so excited about it for like three or four games, and then I start to lose, and then I'm really sad. So... I don't. I don't get. I also don't get Grixis currently. Tauterager is a pretty busted magic card. That's about it. That is. But that isn't red. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think there's better places to put that card. Um. And it seems like Esper is the is the place to be. Uh. All these Esper superheroes decks and Esper super friends decks. Uh. Are absolutely crushing it. At least at SCG. <laughs> Because then, cause then there was none. There was no Esper decks in the top eight at, at Type A. But I, I guess the Asian GPs do tend to have a fairly different metagame uh, traditionally from Western. That's what we've seen before. Um, entirely different metas. Yeah. <laughs> they can almost be two different formats uh, between, two GP, or between the GP and the SG. Maybe. Yeah, the GPs are getting smaller as well. Like GP Type A had 1,062 players for the main event. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a very small GP. Uh, yeah. 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 Like GPs have just been really, really small the last couple of months. So I'm kind of, to be honest, I've been looking at a lot of GP results the last couple of months and just been like, yeah, I don't know about these lists. Just like the the tournaments are much, much smaller than they used to be. I don't think they're as good an indicator anymore as to uh, as to what the best decks in the format are. Well, if the GP top eights can't tell us what the best decks are and the Magic Online 5-0s can't tell us what the best decks are, where do we get our best decks? Just follow uh, Twitch TV slash Skullcrack. Oh, Ben Ranser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I think the SC, I honestly think the SCG events at the moment, uh, like the like the Invitational, the big SCG events and stuff like that, might might be the best place for deck lists. Which, and, and I haven't thought that for a, like ever since I came back to playing Magic that that SCG was uh, was the place to look for for the absolute best lists. But to me, that's that's what it feels like at the moment. Maybe this is a hot take. I don't know. Uh, I yeah, I feel like I'm I'm coming around to that now as well. Um, I kind of I think I agree with you because the SCGs like when you look at the top eights, it's a lot of like the same names. Maybe not week to week, but like every they kind of rotate. Like you you can recognize the the SCG stars, and those are the people kind of on the front lines of innovating standard. Um, I guess another place to go for your deck list now is Twitch because so many pros are st- are streaming. So like the other day, I was watching Andre Strasky, and he was streaming a Gruel list with Charging Monstrosaur in the five drop slot, and I was like, "Well, I must play this deck," and I did, and it was pretty good. Yeah, I think another thing to note uh, is that 
in a couple of weeks uh, it will be the official wrapping up and sunsetting of the Pro Players Club uh, and Pro Points. So I think it's I think maybe next week or, or the week after that or something like that is the last weekend of events where people are going to be uh, trying to get their gold or their platinum or whatever to go through you know the end of this year end of this season. So we've seen way less absolute top tip top pro players playing GPs the last couple of months. The player quality is just lower because there's no incentive for people who already got their gold or their platinum or their silver to, uh, to be playing GPs anymore. Cause they're, cause this is the last season. And like, even the people that we're seeing, like, you know, Ben Friedman, uh, at Kansas city at the start of the month, he won the grand prix. He's the only player that I knew the name of in, in the top eight. Uh, he won the Grand Prix, and that was because he he was trying to lock up, you know, gold, I believe, before before the last couple of weekends. So those like the only real top players that are traveling for Grand Prix at the moment are those players who are just trying to lock up the last bit of their benefits. Uh, and then after that, I think the 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 player quality at Grand Prix is going to drop dramatically and permanently if you know, better compensation and rewards don't come back for Grand Prix and, and make people want to travel for them. And it looks like that's not what, what Wizards want to do at the moment. So, like, pro players, you know, already didn't care all that much about Grand Prix. They would prepare for them a lot less. But now they're probably not even going to travel for them, even if they still have an edge over the rest of the field, because it's just not going to be worth their time anymore. So I think Grand Prix are going to become even less reliable uh, than they are now in terms of looking at results and decks. That's pretty worrying if, uh, if it's going that way, but I think it's yeah, it's like that's traction things could head. I mean, I didn't think I would say this, but I think like just looking at the top top players playing arena now is just the the place to be. Like people are just playing all the time, they're tuning all the time. The metagame constantly shifts. Uh, there's there's going to be you know the, currently there's the weekly you know smaller fandom legends tournaments or whatever, but there's still money for those for people to play. Uh, th- those tournaments are only going to more tournaments are just going to come along month by month. There's going to be more and more regular like arena high stakes tournaments uh, and people are going to be tuning their decks to try and beat those metas. Um, you know what I mean? And I honestly, I think I think just watching the top players play there and, and look at those deck lists and what they think week to week there, that might be just ahead of the GPs, you know? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah it's actually, if there's a stronger incentive to constantly adapt, it's seen kind of all these stronger types that we're used to it just being constantly tweaked and changed more more also ones being added to rule we're seeing um a second example of a second card being added to a second uh, second i think to see them to actually witness the the game shift um yeah i, I, I think just keeping keeping an eye out for the top players but i think is the best way to do it yeah i also yeah it's funny sorry sorry go ahead wolf all right um yeah, I, I also, I, I hadn't really thought about it that way until you put it into words, but that's totally, definitely the way it's going. And, uh, like, again, also looking at GP Type A, I only recognize one of the names in the top eight. And, yeah, I think as well as a lot of this stuff being centered on Twitch, like, if you just watch the good players on Twitch, you'll, um, you will improve just by watching them and listening to them uh, talk to their plays. But I think a lot of the knowledge and a lot of the good discussion has actually moved into discords. So there's like at least three, four discords that I can talk that I can that I can think of. Well, three three for sure. So there's the Arena Decklist Discord, which is behind a paywall. So you have to uh, contribute on their Patreon to get in there, but it's great. Really good discussion. Uh, there is the Lords of Limited Discord, which is uh, the same. 
and obviously that's for people who are more into limited. Uh, there is, I think there's a Channel Fireball Discord now. There is um, Pro Points. They have a Discord, I think. And then there's the Or Spikes Discord. So that that's the one that is like free to join and has good discussion. So I would say if you're not in a Discord and like paying attention to some of the discussion that goes on, because like there's so many people just chatting about the format constantly that and like like pushing against these problems of the format. And all it takes is one person to suggest a card that nobody else has thought of. Uh, and then somebody to go, hey, that's not a bad idea. I'm not going to just dismiss that out of hand. I'm going to try it in my deck and to discover that it's really good. That's all it takes to change a format. Yeah, totally agree. It's interesting. It's a whole new world. I never, I, did, I honestly didn't think I would be saying this type of stuff six months ago. I thought it would take a much, much longer time for Arena to, to really take over like this. Yeah, it's really a whole whole kind of new world that we're living, living in. Um, so speaking of tournament things coming up, uh, both of you have uh, got into the Red Bull Untapped tournament. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we have. So wonderful. There might be some streaming of that. Maybe I don't know. Are you you two in different tournaments or the same tournament? Different days. Yeah, I'm on the Saturday. I was on the Sunday, I believe. Okay. Or the the next week, or however it works. I'm on the 29th of June. Hey, mine's the 30th. Yeah, so the same same weekend. Yeah, yeah. same weekend. Same weekend. Uh, I unfortunately did not get in, but uh, I think that may be because I put my location as Vietnam when there was a, a geographic uh, uh, a geographic bias towards European players. So maybe next time. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I'll probably stream the event. Um, like, I think it's probably just worth it to uh, to get a few eyeballs on the Twitch channel over what whatever equity I'm going to lose <laughs> in the tournament by <laughs> by streaming and have people snipe me or whatever. You know, it's that's fine. I'll just I'll just stream it. Yeah. I'm excited though. It's cool. I like. I like. I would play these events every every single weekend if they became regular. And face it, you know, had had leagues or whatever, or you know, like small, you know, paid entry weekend cups stuff like that, like they do for other games. Like I used to do that in Dota, play play weekend kind of mini tournaments and stuff like that. And I always absolutely loved it. So I would, and I like playing those on Moto as well. I like playing the format challenges, which is the highest level kind of regular competition on Moto. So I really hope this becomes a, a regular thing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be qualifiers for the MC or whatever. I'd be happy just to play, you know, online tournaments with with some stakes behind them. Yeah, it's the kind of the start of, or it feels like the start of a bigger thing and an opportunity for that kind of tournament to be introduced and to grow. Like I, I signed up for, if people don't know about this as well, it's another arena tournament uh, kind of hosted by or started by Alias V, who uh, casted the, uh, the Arena Invitational. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a small tournament, but it's like totally free to enter. And it's like, I think there's $500 of prizes, maybe slightly more. But when you consider that, like that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you think about it compared to the types of tournaments that we would play at home, like in paper person tournaments, uh, like you would have to pay what, like the guts of 20 euro or more to enter. And then the amount of prizes would be probably less than a hundred euros worth. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So I'll probably link that tournament in the show notes because it's totally free to enter. So anybody can, anybody can join up. It's a bit awkward because you have to sign up to discord and stuff like that. I'll sign up to their discord and go through the um, smash.gg app. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to sign up for these things to participate. So whatever you have to sign up for the face it to participate in the Red Bull one. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, a brave new frontier for magic. What a time oh, to yeah. be alive. 
whole new frontier. Yes. Speaking of frontier, actually, uh, the <laughs> yes, there was discussion from the uh, the new game director of Arena. So Wizards do this uh, kind of stream or YouTube uh, video uh, chat with some of the developers uh, every once in a while, and they did a recent one with the the new game director of Arena. And he said, well, I mean, we all knew this was happening, but he confirmed that there will be an eternal format. Well, I say eternal, a non-rotating format coming to Arena in uh, in September with rotation. Uh, there were no details, however, shared on on what that format would look like. So there is rampant speculation. It's going to be vintage. Every card ever printed. That would be amazing. <laughs> they all just get added to your account for free. Yeah. And there's no legacy or modern, just vintage. You have to play vintage. <laughs> They're also removing standard. Yes, exactly. I would love that. You know, I have a vintage collection on Modo now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I bought the Moxon and the... I bought Power on, on Modo for like 50 tickets or whatever, and I've been playing some vintage. It's a lot of fun. I should stream that. You should. Yeah, that'd be great. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Back on track. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We need more info. Um... It's going to be interesting to see where where they decide to start this format. Uh, I don't know if I don't really want to play against Kaladesh cards again, so I'm kind of hoping that gets left out, but we'll see. Uh, we're back to Team Energy. Look, we think it's time for Day Zero ban this um, banned cards that we know are triples. Yeah, I think true. I think if they do bring back, uh, if they do stretch back to Kaladesh, then there certainly would be a banned list, uh, and I would imagine Etherworks Marvel would be on there. Maybe uh, like some of the other cards that they banned would not be on. Like maybe Rogue Refiner would not be on the ban list, but a tune with Ether would. Yeah, they probably got a ban Copter as well. Yeah, Copter obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, anyway, we'll we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm very excited for this because uh, I think playing some with some of those old older cards now would be really fun. Um. Oh yeah, the the solution for getting the cards into players' hands is something that I'm very interested in seeing what they're going to do. And it makes me feel like they're they're more than likely just going to have the old format be all the sets in standard plus the sets that just wrote it out, rotated out. So I, I don't think they're actually going to add any sets because I think it's, it's too hard of a question uh, as to how do they get the cards into people's hands. Like the only, the only way that I could see them doing it is Number one, just give everybody all the cards from all those sets, but that doesn't strike me as a very good way to make money. Uh, or they could let you do a one-time purchase of all the cards from all those sets, which I think I would do, definitely. Like, let's say if it was €100 Euro and you got all the cards from... Let's say it goes back to Shadows over Innistrad because those are the cards that they have in the file. Uh, you got all the cards from Shadows, from Kaladesh... And from what was after Kaladesh? Uh, Amonkhet. Yeah. Hmm? Amonkhet. Yeah. So you got all those cards for like a one-time purchase. I would. I would do that. Uh, the other way. Shut up and take my money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the other way could be like a, a discounted like booster box, basically of of each of each set. But I, I feel like they would have to make it discounted because it's like you're just dropping all these cards on us and expecting us to buy them normally. That doesn't seem very good or that anybody would do it i think i said before that um i mean what i'd like to see um i don't know how possible this is or even as have got is just short-term uh flashback drafts of of you know, these older sets to get cards in circulation in people's hands yeah I mean, um people can buy visual cards these wild cards uh they have all the connection and, and they, they can just have extra 
you know, warnings or notifications that these are not standard legal, they're only legal for... Yeah, I, I think that's like a fine way to do it. That That's absolutely fine to get cards into people's hands. But I think if they're like, I feel like they would have to be doing that now. They would have to be starting those drafts now in order to have people, like in order to have them there for a long enough time and ramp up so that people have these cards on day one of this new format debuting. So I don't think that's what they're doing because it's it's debuting in, in like, what, three months, I guess? Yeah, so it, ha- it has to be here by September. So I would feel like they'd need to start doing that now. And I think that's fine to do once they have released those cards. And that's a good way to get cards into people's hands. But what about the people who don't like draft? What are they going to do? I mean, they have to they have to try and cover as many customers as they can. So I think the one-time purchase is probably the best idea. You also just, you have to draft so much to get, you know, decent amount of rares and stuff like that. It's... Like flashback drafts just for a short time period wouldn't actually give people that many cards from the sets. Well, a lot, a lot of people buy, well, just buy individual packs anyway and no drafts or just get their, get the cards they need um, through. Yeah, that, that's. If, if yeah, that, that was one of the suggestions, I guess. Yeah, was, was if they're just available in the store at a discounted price. Yeah, like. I think they have to make it very clear, though, that you can't play these cards in standard and stuff. People are going to be so pissed off by, by you know using wild cards accidentally or buying packs that don't work in standard stuff like that so they're, they're gonna have to be very careful about it i think i think i made that clear i mean i mean my first time playing hearthstone i opened deathwing deathwing is that what it's called yeah in uh, arena and then i tried to find the my collection to put it into uh into my standard deck and i couldn't find it um it was it was disappointing but i, I got over it you know did you ever get your deathwing al it, eventually i did what before i played hearthstone i played a lot of um wanted wanted warrior the warrior control deck with all the legends yeah, I played that too. It was sweet. Pretty good. I am power incarnate. Incarnate. That's that's Bolus, right? That's not that way. Yes. No, shit. No, I think he says I am power incarnate. Is a... Uh... say that? They're the same characters. Yeah, you're thinking you're thinking of Karn. He says I am Karn in power. <laughs> incarnate. <laughs> uh, I think that big is I am power incarnate. I'm pretty sure also says it. Listen, Ragnaros is my boy anyway. I don't care about Deathwing. Ragnaros does create yeah, oh. fun moments. For for a long time, my alarm clock was uh, too soon. You have awakened me too soon, Executor. 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 Executors. The ladies must have loved that all. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> my my um uh my ringtone for like actual phone calls was uh oh god, can I remember to say uh, bask in the glory of the B O L T R zero N when the Mormon's head brings all this stuff together. That sounds absolutely. Head wrecking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could have my. Uh, that's your. That was your alarm. Did you say? Or no, is your ringtone? That's my ring, my ringtone. Ringtone. Oh I would be very embarrassed. Fortunately, nobody called me. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. It's good. I think is that a good note to end the show on? I think so. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to check us out, you can contact us on Twitter at Skullcrack. That's uh, crack with spelled C R A I C. You can email us skullcrackpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can get us on Twitch. Well, you can get Kieran on Twitch and maybe the other people soon <laughs> at uh, twitch.tv forward slash Skullcrack. And that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you. Bye-bye. On a while yet. Bye.
this is just fresh off the back of a discussion we were having offline um, about, uh, about Magic the Gathering, slightly outside of Magic the Gathering. Not on the table, not on Arena, but Magic the Gathering on our skin. We <laughs> talked about uh, the possibility or, or the idea of getting a Magic the Gathering tattoo, which is something that, that I know I've talked about at some point. I'm sure plenty of listeners have talked about it at some point. Um, so Dave Wolf and Kieran, have you, have you thought about this? Yeah, so I kind of sparked this discussion. I've been thinking about it this week and thinking what I would get. I would, I was trying to think like I want to get like an iconic piece of artwork that kind of uh, says something about how I feel the game about the game, what it means to me, but also says you know something about my personality. But then also, I don't want it to be cheesy. I don't want it to be an obvious reference to a game. Uh, and I want it to be kind of, you know, to to have a bit of class to it. So I was trying to think of iconic cards that 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 say that to me. And one of the first ones I came up with it was Mock Sapphire, because I think the original Mock Sapphire design is, is very simple and beautiful and uh, very clean, would work well as a tattoo. I was thinking it, it would look very nice on like uh, someone's like inner wrist, like, uh, you know, just below the palm of their hand, uh, like just like not the background just the actual uh necklace of the mocks uh because to me it's like like i love blue right i love playing blue i love uh i love that aspect of it i love the power of the moxes like in terms of the moxen in terms of you know just being a spike and stuff like that i think they just speak to like to just going to this other power level in the game like just just unlocking something and just and just just wanting to win and and compete and uh, and do everything you in your power to win like i feel like that says a lot about me as a as a player um and then also like it's just it's just a clean beautiful design that i think the average person wouldn't realize it's like a video game or like a like a game tattoo reference which would be something that would be important to me to be honest this isn't uh, meant to be a slide on anyone who has you know very clear video game reference tattoos that just wouldn't be something i would be interested in getting so that that's the first one that came to mind to me like i was thinking about black lotus but I actually don't like the original Black Lotus art very much. Like I recognize it as iconic and I have a fondness for it, but I don't think the painting is actually particularly good. And I don't think it would look very good as a tattoo. So I, so Mock Sapphire is the first one I thought of. But yeah, I suppose a lot of the points you you, you touched on there were kind of things that um, the precious I'd have as well, something that represents how I play, represents me, and also not, you know, not an obvious um, you know, reference to the game. David Wolf. Yeah, and as someone who also has a gaming tattoo already. Yeah, am I the only person who currently has a tattoo from the three of us? Yep, I don't have one. Yep, yeah, I don't. All right. Well, if people don't know, the tattoo that I do have is on my wrist. It's the uh, the Lambda symbol from Half-Life. Um, because the I... Apex Win logo, Wolf, we all know it. Yes, that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> or because it's kind of like it's it's oriented so that it's right way up to me when I look at my own wrist. And I get a lot of people going. Why does it? Say, why do you have a Y on your on your wrist? Um, so, but I, honestly, to be honest, like uh, if either of you do get a magic tattoo, you'll probably experience this. But I get a lot of positive comments about my tattoo. Like I would say, even like e- even here, uh, like a lot of people recognize it and they're like, "Oh, hey, Half Life," and they want to talk to me about it for like a few moments. So I think it's really been like an actual positive thing in my life like now it's, it's actually 10 years now this month uh, or maybe next month since i got it and uh yeah people just recognize it constantly and want to talk about it so it's it's a really cool thing to have 
Um, and I, I do kind of think it's strange myself that I've never gotten another tattoo. But yeah, over the last few years, obviously, since magic is so important to uh, to me, to us, uh, I have thought about getting a magic tattoo. And I, yeah, I just don't really know what I would be happy with or where I would want to put it on my body. Um, if you look in the in the magic subreddit i think the number of guild tattoos has exploded over the last like nine months to a year because people knew that ravnica was coming and then because people experienced it for the first time and some of them look good but i don't know there's no one guild that i'd be like yeah that's me so i don't think i'd be into getting a guild symbol as a tattoo there's also like the color symbols which are good as well i've seen one on the on the magic subreddit that i really really liked usually i don't like them very much but one was like the color symbols, I think in black with, a, you know, that kind of style of tattoo that's quite popular now, the like a splash of paint behind the symbol. So I, I quite mm, like that. Yeah. Obviously that person has that now. So I kind of feel like I would not be unique, but uh, I guess that doesn't really matter. But yeah, I've, I've thought about it, but I don't know if I will get one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things you can get. Like I would like, if I got the mana symbols, uh, I was thinking I would get either Is it or Grixis, so either blue red or black blue red, and I would like to get some kind of stylized versions of of the mana symbols where they're kind of running into each other or you know encapsulating each other in some way or something. I don't think I would just get a simple you know uh, each each mana symbol like you know beside each other or or in the Wuberg order or anything like that. I would want it to be kind of more brought into one coherent piece if I did that. But that's another cool idea as well. I was thinking a cool little simple one as well that you could get as well is like the Phyrexian mana symbol. Uh, I think that's that's a really cool little symbol. It also symbolizes kind of spikiness and power and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I, I don't think I would go for that myself, but I think that would be pretty cool. I'm expecting Al to just say he would just get like a like an entire back piece of Karn, Karn Liberator. <laughs> no, I suppose I, I, this is something I've gone back and forth on. I suppose in general... And, um, hold on. Uh, the, the the Al's back piece of Karn would be like not just the Karn art; it would just be the actual card, the whole card. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, exactly. What? Uh, but all the te- all the text of its uh, ult and everything. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose kind of yeah, I've something I've gone back and forth on, on tattoos as well. I, I kind of feel like I suppose I'm always the kind of person who would be really into something one year and then be onto something else another year. So I mean, there's been times when like I've I very seriously considered getting um, you know the tattoos your man has of Bioshock. The it's it's a uh, pains on his wrists. Um, I say I hope my last thing to get to getting something like that. Then the next year I was like Bioshock. It's, it's, it's a short game, uh, and then kind of thinking of something else. So I suppose I think Magic now is unique to that. You know, I've been kind of very deep in Magic now for about three years, and <laughs> I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. So I suppose so. I guess you know, my um, this has been I've. So something I have considered getting was uh, the the teamer symbol. So I guess the teamer symbol is, I guess it's you no know, generic. It's, it's it's a simple simple design. Uh, it means a lot to magic players. It's just, it's look like, it looks just look like a cool generic design to, to other people. Uh, it's it suits the kind of style I play. It's a design I like, and I guess it represents me kind of you know, as a person as well. So something that I looked into um, getting it somewhere like on my on my torso on my chest. But then, but I realized that. As I started reading into it, or also looking at myself, I realized that I am a very, very hairy man, and uh, getting tattooed air will mean I will have to shave um, my hairy body. So uh, I, it's, I, I kind of have to weigh up, you know, um, do I want a tattoo or do I want to continue to be a very hairy person? <laughs> maybe, maybe just being a very hairy person is the true embodiment of being teamer. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. 
you're a bear. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, and that's like, I if I had, if another idea comes to me, uh, I I probably will consider it. Uh, but I guess kind of I was very close going in that line of getting a team with tattoo, but then I realised that yeah, because like I looked at photographs, of people with tattoos with hair over them, think oh that could look cool, but then uh, it really doesn't look cool if you if, if you see photographs of hairy people with uh, with tattoos beneath. Well, I'm glad you did your research. I I the the most important thing with a tattoo, I think, is uh, don't rush into it. Think about it for a long time before you get it. Um, like this, this one that I have, I basically, I wanted to get it a year before I got it. And I kind of visualized myself with it for that whole year. And then eventually I was like, yeah, I'm happy with this. Cool. Um, <laughs> I feel like Al's, we're all going to be on a night out or a stag or something. And Al's going to convince us all to get the skull crack logo, like tattooed on our arms <laughs> or something. Yeah, that'd be good. I oh, do. I just, uh, I there's always a greater power. Oh yeah, that's sweet. I actually would love that, except for I think like skulls are just. I mean, I know they're one of the most popular tattoo items, but like that's not something I couldn't see myself with a skull tattoo. No. So I don't think I could get the. I don't think I could get our logo, unfortunately. Yeah. Even though it's kind of more lighthearted and stuff. I, I do agree with you. Yeah. Um. One one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is flavor text. Yeah, personally, I wouldn't get a text tattoo. I don't think I'm much more just into line work and kind of uh, sort of geometric stuff. I, uh, I'm not too interested in getting text as a tattoo. Although, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. What would I get if I if I had to choose one? I mean, greatness at any cost, right? Yeah, I mean, that just you would just look like a fucking insane person to have that tattooed on your body, though, right? Yeah. That just makes you look like a psychopath. Yeah. yeah. Or there is always a greater power. People would think. You're yeah, right. again, see, like all these things kind of imply something that I don't think I want implied. Okay, okay. People really... Yeah, I, I, I like. Yeah, I like. There's always greater power. Yeah, it, it has very religious connotations in a, in real life. True. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can make it mean something, you know, more more personal to yourself or whatever, even if you're not religious. But it it just doesn't speak to me that much. What about Akhan's run? That's a pretty good one. I would. That's legit. I would, that, that that would be closer to to something I would get. Yeah. Again, maybe maybe on a night out or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I feel like part of teamer, and I feel like as a person, I'm I'm a very impulsive, red oriented person. Everyone's got a tattoo. Will be uh, like I say on a night out, last minute impulse. Be like, yeah, okay, let's go and do this. What's on the wall? Yeah, get that one. Um, so you'd get impulse. You'd get a last minute impulse. That's what you said, right? All right, let's plan it. If, if you're ever if you're ever questioning or second guessing getting that getting tattoos, so it's also if yeah, imagine someone has lots of good ideas for tattoos. Uh, if you want to make sure you really do want one, uh, another subreddit that I'm a fan of is uh, or bad tattoos, nice. uh, which um, many many poorly done ones. So do your research. Uh, find find an artist that's good. Uh, might end up on this Reddit. Well, if any Who has scars ever heal, hashtag Rambi. Oh my god! Well, if any listeners have a good suggestion for a magic theme tattoo, just uh, shoot it over to the to the email or the Twitter. Definitely, I would love to hear about it. And uh, if and if anyone has their own, uh, we'd love to see them. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. All right, I think that's gonna do it. Bye bye. All right, see you guys. Bye.